Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome back to The Future Belongs to Creators. It's Monday, July 6th. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I'm Barrett Brooks. This is Nathan Berry. This is episode 59, and we're talking, what are you optimizing for as a creator today? Nathan, how are you doing? I am good today. Definitely green. The weather's great. I realized we were kind of just hanging out at home a lot over the weekend, or we did plenty of, plenty of things, but then Sunday I had nothing planned, and Oliver was like, hey, can we go on a hike? And at first I was like, no. And then I thought, you know what? We're not doing anything. Yeah, let's go on a hike. I spent a while like looking up all these different hikes and each one was like this heavily trafficked trail. And I was like, nope. And this other one, this one's great. It's, you know, moderately trafficked trail. <laughs> Still no, <laughs> you know? And uh, I ended up finding one way up at the top of the mountain about an hour and 10 minutes from our house. And it was fantastic. So anyway, when your kids are like, well, it'd be a while before Ev is like, dad, let's go on a hike. But soon then, you know, you just say, Yes, let's do it. So it made for a good weekend. Also, Convert at Commerce launches on Wednesday next week. We start sending out invites. So I'm kind of pumped about that. Kind of pumped. That's an understatement. But yeah, I'm green. How about you? I'm, well, I'll troll you or bait you here in just a minute. But um, yeah, we went on a long walk on Sunday in our old neighborhood. There's this beautiful, it's not really a mountain. It's kind of like a hill. It's it's a volcanic vent is actually what it is. So uh, a lot of the Cascade Mountain Range are volcanoes here in Portland and Washington. And it turns out that when some of them erupt, there are like these little spouts of lava that come out way, way far away from them. Yeah. Um, and so we have this hill in our old neighborhood that is one of those volcanic vents that's really pretty. You can see a lot of the city. So we decided to go for a walk in that area. And we're walking up it with the stroller, with Ev in it, and minding our business. We're like going out of our way to stay away from people. And this guy on a bike rides right next to me without a mask on. And there's a whole three quarters of the road over here to our right. And I'm like, come on, man. I, it was one of the first times I've ever like actually, I would never actually do this, but I seriously thought about like pushing the guy off his bike. It was very <laughs> frustrating to like be trying to keep our space. And have, anyways, it was a great weekend though. It was a great walk. We uh, had a relaxing weekend. I find, that I'm sure all people who have been parents have found this, but weekends historically, like I'd stay up a little later, get up a little later, right? Well, when you have a kid, there is no getting up later. The kid gets up the same time every day. He doesn't care what time you went to bed. Unless he wants to surprise you and get up like an hour earlier. Right, right. That's the only kind of surprise. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm, I have not yet dialed in my ability to go to bed early on weekends. Um, and that <laughs> results in Monday morning hangovers, not from alcohol, but from lack of sleep. <laughs> and it's yeah. my own fault. Yeah. Cause, cause you're like, it's the weekend. This is great. And Ev's like, it's another day. Yeah. He's like, it's a weekend. This bed. is great. Yeah. I have you all day. <laughs> Let's start early. <laughs> Anyways, but Nathan, uh, Friday night, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't mention this. You must have watched something about three or four times this weekend. I, just once, but yes, 
we did watch Hamilton. It was wonderful. Yeah, really, really fun little home, home theater uh, show. So it was good. You know, there's things that you just forget mm-hmm. from. I watched it in person once two years ago, I think. And uh, there's so many things that I've listened to the soundtrack, you know, countless times since then. But there's so many little dynamics and you're like, oh, I forgot that character was like that or even things. And really, it was a different cast, right? Because I saw it, you know, with one cast and this, the Disney Plus version is uh, the original cast. So it was pretty fun. And it's not, everyone's always like, oh, the original cast is better. And it's like, no, it's just yeah, different. different. You know, each each actor has their own portrayal of the character. And, and so it's fun to see it. But yeah, I think I'll probably watch it again later this week, maybe a week apart. I do love that show. I, I know that I decided to opt out of the show that you did with Issa because you all are like super fans, but I'm a big fan of the show. <laughs> and so my wife was asking me, which character would you be? And I went through some, it was like, oh, well, Aaron Burr would be cool. Lafayette would be cool. And then I, I, I realized that like, actually, I think what I would most enjoy being is the king. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hercules Mulligan. <laughs> Hercules Mulligan would be fun too. But the like whole, da, 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 oh, yeah. da, that whole thing just repeatedly and just like the little... <laughs> Oh yeah. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, okay, yeah. we digress. We've got a good topic today. It's always a good topic. Nathan, I thought thought maybe you could introduce it because this came up for you. We've now both written about this from different angles. It came up for you in a conversation about a post uh, that Ryan Holiday wrote actually with one of our friends. And I thought maybe you could just kind of share what y'all were talking about and how that got us back onto this topic. Yeah. So our topic is on optimization. What are you optimizing Optimizing for? And Ryan Holiday wrote this article. I was talking to my friend, Sean McCabe, and uh, we were chatting about Ryan's article. And he, the article's titled, The Definition of Success is Autonomy. And you know, anytime someone starts a sentence, the definition of success is you're like, oh boy, what, what's, what's coming next, right? Because it's going to be a very personal, individual thing. And the post, and I'll link to it in the show notes and all that, and so everyone can, can read it. But Ryan talks about achieving all these different layers of, you know, of things. Like he brings up Taylor Swift, for example, achieving massive levels of success and money and musical fame and everything else. But then like there's this in the Netflix documentary, there's this scene where she's asking, like trying to basically asking or begging her team for permission to get involved in politics and start making stands on some really important political issues. And they're like, oh, don't don't alienate your base. Like, don't, you know, don't even worry way into that. And so that was fascinating. So Sean and I started talking about, OK, this whole optimization thing. What what are you optimizing for? Is it autonomy? Because I kind of got off in this tangent of like, I think people are optimizing for the wrong thing. Ryan's post is more about autonomy, but I think people often are optimizing for comfort. Like, for example, there's a story of the Mexican fisherman, the parable. So an American investment banker was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The man replied, only a little while. The American then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. The Mexican said he had enough time, enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? Huh, 
I sleep late. I fish a little. I play with my children. I take siestas with my wife Maria. Stroll around the village where I sip wine, play guitar with my friends, have a full and busy life. And the American goes, ah, I'm a Harvard MBA. I could help you. You should spend more time fishing. And with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from that, buy an even bigger boat. You could buy several boats. Eventually, you'd have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the products, the processing, the distribution. You'd need to leave the small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City and then LA and eventually New York City where you'll run your expanding enterprise. The fisherman asked, but how long will this take? And the American replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then? And he laughs and says, ah, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO. You'd sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. Millions? Then what? And the American said, then you'd retire. You'd move to a small coastal fishing village where you'd sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siestas with your wife, stroll in the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your friends. So that's the story. And I think I read this. I don't know if Tim Ferriss has it in the 4-Hour Workweek. Maybe that's where I first read it. Something along there. But the takeaway is basically that I took away from in the past is basically you go on this long journey right? There's, there's this whole path as you go all the way around, you figure out what you want and you're like, okay, now I optimize for that. And I think a lot of what the four hour work week and other books around that topic have is like, or you could just be clear about this is what you want. I'm going to go straight from here to there and realize either that the path to what I want is really simple and really straightforward. Or the other side, it, it might be as the true conclusion, this is that I already have everything that I need. Right. In this case, I don't, I don't need a single other thing. So I was thinking about this article or the, this parable when Sean and I were talking and it was basically, well, that's really optimizing for comfort, happiness, all of that. But one thing that's missing, and I, I feel like so many people, when they're trying to shortcut the process, is they're not optimizing for growth and for their own change. So for example, I was talking to, this is a few years ago, I was talking to a book editor and he gets hundreds and hundreds of fiction books submitted, right? He works for a publisher. So he's reviewing all of these proposals and deciding which fiction books should they pursue. Now, in the nonfiction world, you submit a sample chapter, the outline, and a proposal you know, to get a book sold. But in the fiction world, you actually submit the entire book. So I was asking him, I was like, how do you, like, do you read all of these books you know, to find out what, which ones you should pursue. And he's like, no, 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 you don't need to read the whole book. That's a waste of time. What you can actually do is pick up the book. You can read the beginning just long enough to get an idea for who the hero is. And then you can skip all the way to the end and read just long enough to get an idea for who the hero is. And I was like, wait, isn't it the same person? And he's like, yes, the same actual person. But if it's a good story, if those middle couple hundred pages are any good, then that hero will have gone on a journey that will have transformed them. And so if they're the same person at the end of the story as at the beginning, then it's probably not worth reading. They probably haven't undertaken a, a quest or overcome obstacles you know, worthy of changing them. So I think about that a lot of what are we optimizing for? And one of the things that I'm optimizing for is growth. What's actually going to change me as an individual? Anyway, that was long, but that's kind of an introduction of how we got on this topic. I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, it's a really good one. My story on this is last 
August, I think it was. So my son Ev arrived in November on Thanksgiving Day. And a lot of couples will do what they call like a baby moon in uppity millennial speak. That's right. And my wife and I travel regularly together. We have vacations every year that we love. And we did a, a normal vacation March of last year to Hawaii. And so like, we felt like we, you know, we have the time together that we want, but what we don't often get is really dedicated time with our friend group who's spread out all over the country. The nature of the internet, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but certainly for you and I, like our best friends are not where we live or, or many of our best friends. Like we certainly have best friends here in town, but then there's this whole other group of people who are spread out everywhere. So my wife and I decided we would we joked, we called it a dadgler party. We would go on little weekend trips with our friends. And she went on one with her girlfriends and I went on one with my guy friends, you included. What I wanted from that trip was like deep, meaningful conversations with people I love and respect all in one place, which is not a thing that you get to do very often. And so every night at dinner, you know, we, we had like a, a chef come to the house and cook for us, which is cheaper than going out for every meal. And We'd open a couple of bottles of wine. We'd sit around. We'd just have conversations. Typically, it's my role to be the question asker uh, in these situations. <laughs> yes, it is. But we got to night two, and I had asked a lot of questions on the first night. And I said, well, does anyone else have a question you've been thinking a lot about that would be interesting for us to use as a basis for discussion? And James Clear, who's our friend who we talk about all the time, my wife, I think, might have a running tally of the people I mentioned on this show, and there are certainly a couple names who are at the very top of the list, James being one of them. <laughs> uh, James says, well, one question I've been asking myself a lot is what am I optimizing for? And I think it's a really interesting one because sometimes what you're optimizing for is maybe not what you actually want. And so we had this beautiful discussion around the dinner table about what we were all optimizing for, and I think it made... Some of us hadn't necessarily thought about it, but it was one of those moments that you just kind of sit there and you realize, oh man, this is like a special moment. This is what you try to get in life is like little moments like this with people you care about doing something that's interesting. And that gave me great insight actually into my own answer, which is I think that most of what I do in my life is to optimize for moments of joy. I wrote this, this article on my site, barrettbrooks.com slash joy about that experience of realizing that, you know, I've, I've always been ambitious. I've always pushed myself. I've always wanted to grow. I've always wanted to like feel like I am achieving excellence at whatever I'm doing, but I don't think it's for the sake of being excellent at something or for the sake of having a certain role in my career. I actually think it's because those are my pathways to experiencing joy. And I get into a few examples on that in my article of like times when I felt it, but it's in a lot of different areas. And so like when I think about this question, that's what there are like many ways for me to get that. But those are the moments that I want or those little moments when I can sit back and realize, oh, this is it. This is like what I want. I want to be able to, in that case, to have the money, to have the relationships, to have the freedom, to travel to a place, pay for the trip and be with people I care about that don't live near me. Like that is a privileged place, but I have work to get there because I'm optimizing for being able to do that kind of thing, which creates the opportunity for moments of joy like that. So I think it's a it's relevant to creators because 
Like you even, you look at, like you asked the question on Twitter today, I asked it uh, back when I wrote the article and you get all kinds of answers. You get things like, I don't want any stress or I want to feel fulfilled or I want independence or I want to be able to focus at home or have experience gratitude or 1.5 X my life expectancy. And I always, every time I see an answer, it's like, is that the end in itself or is that a pathway to something else? Like an interesting one, 1.5 X my life expectancy. Well, why? What do you want to be able to do at that time? Is it that you, is it truly just that you want more time? Or when you think about having more time, are there actually very specific things that come to mind? Like I want to see my son graduate high school, graduate college. Actually, I don't even know if college will exist at that point. <laughs> Get married, have kids if he wants to have kids. You know, I want to like go fishing with him for years and years. I don't know. Like that's what I would think about if I'm thinking about 1.5 Xing my life expectancy. It would be creating more time for me to have more moments of joy, right? So anyways, I start thinking about the ways we confuse ourselves about what we're actually going for, which I think is a lot of where your mind went to, too, is like, oh, we are very good at tricking ourselves into saying we want this thing, but this thing actually being a tool for something else. And then we get all messed up on the path that we followed because we're chasing this one, which may or may not give us this, but we do it anyways. And I think that's really what that parable is about, right? Is really understanding what is it that you're trying to get at the end of the day? I mean, it makes me think so much of these answers from, from people on Twitter of what they're optimizing for. And actually, let me just list out. We, we made a list of a bunch of things you could optimize for. Uh, money, fame, joy, growth, autonomy, comfort, and impact. There's way more, right? But that was kind of some broad categories that we put together. And when I see everyone's, everyone's answers, one, I think there's a lot of people who right now are optimizing for money. Like, that's a bad thing to say, apparently. You know, so if I said, what are you optimizing for? Someone replies on Twitter, money. I think people would be like, ooh, look at him. He's, he's so shallow, <laughs> you know, or something like that. But there's plenty of people who want to, who maybe are actually doing that or actually thinking in, in that way. I, I think the first thing is like, if you can get clear with yourself as to what you're optimizing for and just own it, there's not really a wrong answer. The answer is going to change over time. So don't feel like this is something that you have to get right from the beginning. But I think a lot of what I see people doing is either optimizing to avoid something. So they're seeing all the things in their life that they don't like to do. And they're saying, okay, how do I make sure that doesn't happen? How do I not have to do that? Or they're optimizing for comfort. If there's anything on this list that I would say, I think you should not optimize for, I think comfort is pretty high on that. Because a lot of times... Obviously, you want to be comfortable in your life. You want to be not be worrying about basic needs, any of those things, right? But I always think of the Venn diagram that circulates on Twitter every couple of years. And it's basically a circle over here, uh, over here that says your comfort zone. And then another much bigger circle over here that says where the magic happens. And there's just no overlap. And so a lot of what I see is people are you know, in their quest for passive income or an online business. And they're just like, look, I'm just looking to be comfortable. And I think that's fine. But at some point, it's like you, you want to actually push for challenges. You want to push for growth. You want to push for these things that will change you or provide more meaning. And so when I think about what I'm optimizing for, like right now, if I just wanted to be comfortable I don't know. I have a lot of hotel points. I could just live at the Marriott in San Diego for like 
six months, that would be comfortable, I guess, you know, but there's no challenge. There's no growth. There's no, there's none of that. And so I think I would just ask or encourage everyone to think beyond that of what, not just what am I avoiding? What's pain that I don't want to feel or difficult things that I don't want to do, but really what can I pursue that would, that would drive growth or how could I spend my time that would bring joy? I think in terms of vectors, I always think in terms of vectors and you need a primary and then you need a counterbalancing force. And we found this at ConvertKit as well, Mm. that if you only have one thing you're optimizing for, it's really easy for you to take that to an extreme that then it screws up the original thing that you were trying to get. And so for me, I think mine is probably something like joy and impact where you can make an argument that only optimizing for joy maybe turns into nihilism over time, right? Just the pursuit of things that like bring you little moments of uh, ecstasy or something like that. That's not how I operate though. And I think it's because I have this balancing force of impact. Like I want to experience the joy, but I want to do it in a way that also allows others a hand up that allows them opportunity to, yeah, realize whatever they're optimizing for. And so what's also interesting in this kind of model, right, is what's on the other end of joy? That's a really interesting question to me because you might jump right to like stress. And that's not true for me because a lot of stress that I feel is actually very good. It's very productive towards getting Mm -hmm. me to the points that I want to uh, be in or the, the experiences I want to have. It's like, okay, well, if it's not stress, what is it? Is it misery? Well, no, I don't experience misery that often. I mean, I certainly have in my life, but I don't experience it that often. So what is it? I don't know. Maybe it's like grumpiness. Maybe grumpiness is at the other end of joy. Maybe like just being grumpy as hell at home and work and towards myself is the other end of that. And that's what I'm, I don't want. I don't know if that's true or not, but that feels somewhat true for me. Well, I could see it being a different word for each person, like as it represents their personality and, and, um, their individual struggles, or it's, it's really like, what's the default that you fall back into when it's just like, you're not having like a great day. And I think it's, it's different for a lot of people, but I can totally see that. <laughs> I'm just imagining Grumpy yeah. Barrett right now. And I'm like, yep, I've experienced that. <laughs> it's not fun for anyone. And then you think about like impact. Well, what's on the other side of impact for me? I think it's probably something like narcissism is maybe, maybe too strong a word because it's like an actual disorder. Maybe it's like pure selfishness. Right. And so when I think about this, it's like joy is what, this is my number one thing. It's my number one boo. Impact is the, the counterbalancing force that I want to make sure I still optimize for. And so I want to kind of like try and live in here. That's, that's like important to me. And so like, I am partially optimizing for money right now. Here's why. Money like the, the embodiment of joy to me is people I love in a place together, relaxing away from like the, the day-to-day stressors of life and having shared experiences together. My ideal and like some of the places I've experienced this the most are on shared trips with friends or at my parents' little mountain house in Bryson City, North Carolina. So what I want is I want a farm. I want to own a farm. I want it to be the kind of place where we can gather friends and family and like regularly invite people out. I want it to be a place where I can teach my kids to work with their hands, where we can experience nature and like have a connection to what it's like to actually maybe kill an animal that you're going to eat or like understand the process of putting food on the table. 
I know like some of this is how y'all live every day, Nathan. And so for where I live, and I like being in the Northwest and in Portland, a farm will bring me more joy and money is a way to get a farm, right? Now there are ways that we can, I can continue to take trips and things like that to substitute for it. But if I want that every weekend, I should probably own a place that allows me to do that. So money is one thing, but that's only if I were opt optimizing for joy for me, right? It's just like get money as fast as possible, buy a farm, be done. But what I love about my work and our work here is it actually also allows me to do this. It gives me kind of like a balance between long-term, it might produce great financial outcomes for my family, for your family, for everyone at ConvertKit. But in the meantime, if it fails at that, number one, the way we run the company gives me moments of joy. It gives me freedom to have those moments along the way with my family. And we have hundreds of thousands of people we get to have an impact on every day. Like that's pretty great to me. And so I am optimizing in this range currently by working here. And it gives me the greatest possibility of experiencing both of those things of joy and impact in my life and career. So the reason I share that is I think it would be easy from the outside maybe, or even for me to tell myself that we just have to get as fast as possible from where we are to where we're trying to go and then sell the company so that we can be done with this thing and I can get onto what I was trying to do. But the moment this mechanism for impact goes away of the company in something like a sale or me leaving or anything like that. And if that, if all it gets me is a farm where I want to have friends and all of that, I lose this tool for impact. Where's the impact come from at that point? Is it that I don't care about it anymore? Or is it that I have to find a new thing because that creates stress in and of itself, finding the new thing to create impact. And so there's always going to be these balancing forces that I think it's really important we understand and pay attention to in our lives. Well, I think a lot about people, and I, I don't know as many personally, but you know, read about them in the news or that kind of thing, who are optimizing for impact in a crazy way. Actually, Elon Musk might be a yes. good example of this, right? optimizing so much for impact. And I, I can't speak to whether or not he's optimizing for joy or what's on that other, other axis. <laughs> but it, I don't think if I was writing down, I'd be like, oh, Elon Musk is optimizing for joy and impact. <laughs> you know, like I don't think that joy is what's on, the, but impact is for sure. Yeah. You know, in that major way, there's a TV show I've mentioned before called Madam Secretary. And the main character's brother is like this doctor who's worked all over the world, you know, in, all kinds of different countries and war zones and everything else. And so he's for sure optimizing for impact, but just the way his character is, he's like all the way on the grumpy <laughs> scale. <laughs> you know? So he's like solid bottom right quadrant on there, you know, and, and that would be the, a curious thing. I think when you look at a character like that, you go, you know, I wonder if they know what that counterbalancing force is. I wonder if they're so far all in on impact or, or whatever, you know, whatever you pick as that primary thing that you don't realize um, what that secondary thing is. Or in a different quadrant, right? I think that, you know, if someone picked comfort and I'm just optimizing for comfort and you don't have this other counterbalancing force, then you'd go, you'd fall all the way into selfish. Selfish and impact could be opposites or selfish and, and all kinds of things could sit on the other side of opposite of selfishness. But that's where you know, I get hung up as I, I see a lot of these things where it's like, look, it's just about achieving this thing for me. And I think that's often important, achieving the ability to take care of your basic needs. And I don't think that that's selfish, but then if it, if it, that feedback loop 
And that effort keeps going tighter and tighter. I'm like, okay, I achieved my basic needs. Now let me achieve my next needs. And now let me achieve more and more of my needs. Then you're like, oh, okay, you lost me somewhere in there. You know, where, where is the other side of it? And so, you know, you could put joy, you could put moments with your family. It's like for the hike this weekend, one thing that I thought of is like, you know, we're probably not going to like in the grand scheme of things, we don't actually have that many perfect Sunday afternoons for a hike. So yeah. So in that case, I chose to optimize. I don't know that I was even thinking of optimizing for joy. I think it was optimizing for memories, you know, in that, in that moment, I don't think overall, maybe that's what I would choose. Um, but I really like that. And I, I like the idea of always, always picking two or picking quadrants. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think one of the things that we sometimes also fail to acknowledge, we like, or at least I know that early, especially in my career and adult life, I wanted to ignore consequences or trade-offs. Elon Musk is actually a great example of this. If you read his biography by Ashley Vance, which I really enjoyed, I think it's a great book, or you watch the Pablo Picasso series on National Geographic, any of a variety of different stories. Michael Jordan's series. These are all men. And so that is interesting to me. And I would need to think for a moment about if it goes, uh, if it's a cross-gender phenomenon. But at least in those three stories, they achieved whatever they were optimizing for. I don't know if they look back if they would have optimized for it again, but they achieved those things at the expense of nearly all else. To be like the top 1% in the world at those things, Elon Musk sending people into space and building a car company, Michael Jordan winning basketball championships, Pablo Picasso painting, creativity. I mean, they, it was, Josh just said in the chat, scorched earth approach. That's exactly right. I mean, Pablo Picasso ruined relationships in his life. He could not remain faithful to a single human being, which is not like a value judgment. It's just true. There were a lot of people he hurt along his path because of that fact. He had kids that like he didn't even know along the way. Michael Jordan, you know, same kind of thing. A lot of family issues on the side. Like his teammates, you watch that and they're very torn over whether they actually like him. Are they proud of their ring? Sure. Did they like Michael Jordan? I don't know. Depending on the day. We all know that, I mean, the Elon Musk story is unfolding, you know, as we go. But I mean, he he is- Every day on Twitter before yeah, our eyes. <laughs> you know, he's got a new family he started, but he had a family already that and that he ruined relationships with by being just so myopically focused on what he's trying to achieve. And a lot of us will benefit from that. You know, a lot of us are inspired by that. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget when we're sitting there watching Michael Jordan's story or we're sitting there watching the story about Tiger Woods or we're sitting there watching the story, reading the story about Pablo Picasso or or whoever, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, whatever biography we're reading, they gave up everything to get that. Alexander Hamilton, he's another great one, literally gave up everything, including his life, to be able to be the person who created our financial system, who wrote the Federalist Papers, like it is expensive to optimize for a single thing. And I think it's really important to know that. To be top 1% at something, you're gonna give up pretty much everything else, at least during the time where you're optimizing for that. And then you just have to hope you still have some time left afterwards. Now, there are are other ways to go about things, right? Like I I listed out some of the areas of life. Like there's this classic kind of quadrant approach to um, career, family, 
friends and, uh, and like health and fitness. And the idea being, I think James Clear might talk about this too in his book or something like that, that if you pick one, you can probably be great at that. If you pick two, you can probably be good at them. If you pick all of them, you're probably going to be at best average at all of them, but you'll get a little bit of everything. And it's true. You know, you just have to make choices between what your priorities are because there's only so many hours in the day and kidding yourself about that doesn't do anyone any favors. You know, I think as sad as it would be to be intellectually honest with yourself that you are prioritizing your career above your family, above your friends, above your health. I think that is a healthier way to go about that like myopic focus than to act like you're going to try and do everything else too on the side. Yeah. Cause otherwise you end up in this, this area where you're, you're try, you're kidding yourself and you think you've got everyone else convinced but really, you know, everybody knows that, you know, no, no one else is convinced. We're like, no, 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 no. I mean, work's important, but like, you know, my family is my number one priority. And it's like, uh-huh. I, mm-hmm. I don't see it. You know, no one else is convinced besides you. If you're honest about that, you know, that works. I, I actually know quite a few people. It tends to be before they have kids, but where they're saying like, yeah, our, our marriage is important. Our relationship is important. But we both have career mm-hmm. goals. Like we're, we're both going places. And hey, we, you know, when we finish law school, when we get this book proposal submitted or, you know, then we'll go out, like we'll take a big trip and we'll celebrate and these other things. But like we're pursuing our career. And I think when you are open about that, it has a lot of clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think most people aren't trying to be in the top 1% of what they're doing, right? Like, well, I'm not trying to be in the top 1% of experience, mo- experiencing moments of joy. That doesn't even make any sense as a heuristic, right? (laughs) I'm experiencing more joy than you are. (laughs) However, in the way that I am manifesting that in my mind, we do have to be pretty damn good in terms of what we're trying to achieve at ConvertKit, right? And we have to operate at a pretty high level. And so I know that that means, like in my conception of joy, it goes family, career, friends, health, I guess. Like if I'm being honest, if I'm doing this to myself, like that's the order. And when I look at my priorities, that's exactly how they shake out. But because I'm, we don't need to be in the top 1% of companies. We're not trying to sell for, sell the company in three years for like $900 billion or something. We're not trying to be Uber. We're trying to build something sustainable. It's going to last a really long time that in the process will help make everyone who works here financially independent, which is a very different way of going about things. And so that creates margin for me. I don't have to work 16 hour days to build what we're trying to build. And so if I can build some habits around, like, I just need to work out three times a week. I'm not trying to run Ironman races. I'm not trying to do any of that shit. I'm just trying to like stay healthy enough to be essentially fit. That's possible. I want to see my friends once or twice a week. Like that's probably possible even doing what we're doing. And so I think it's like understanding that these are sliding scales. And if you dial one all the way up to a hundred, you just got to recognize something else has got to be at zero or, or several things have to be at zero. But if it's at like 70 there might be room. Yeah. That makes me think of, you know, one thing that I am optimizing for or trying to get clear on of what the categories are is, is personal growth. Mm. And so, and I think that's a weird thing to say of like, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to get better as a person. It's like, well, you better be otherwise like, what are you even doing? Mm. But it's more putting myself in scenarios or undertaking goals of the, the size that require growth. So for example, 
I mean, a question we get all the time is why not sell ConvertKit or, or even sometimes from our team asks like, why grow beyond this point? Like you've got enough, right? I've got enough. We're all good. What if we just chill out and take it easy now? And there's the impact side of it for sure. Like the, the phrase is always money doesn't buy happiness. Money won't make you happy. But one thing that I was thinking about tweeting, I need to figure out the phrasing on the tweet is, yeah, money won't make you happy, but I can tell you for sure that helping thousands or hundreds of thousands of creators in a living, like that, that brings a lot of happiness and that's way more fun than, than the, you know, your own earnings. And so there, there's definitely the impact side. But one thing that I think about is I want to tackle a problem hard enough that I'm not capable of solving it. Like current me can't solve the problem. And so I have to become a new person in order to solve it. Maybe this is like, we shouldn't compare uh, ConvertKit or startups to the Lord of the Rings. Um, but I always think about, you know, the quest that the hobbits go on in the beginning to destroy the ring. And like, they're not capable of doing that. They become fundamentally different people by the end of it. And now, of course, everyone's like, Frodo is the hero of the Lord of the Rings. He's not. Sam is. And Sam goes from being this like bumbling kid who can't even keep up with anybody at the beginning of the series to being the, the character, the only character who has the true willpower and capability, not only to persevere and get all the way there, but to actually give up power and destroy the ring. And so you think about that requires incredible transformation. And so I'm not trying to get like a little bit better, you know, every day as by reading books or studying or that kind of thing. I'm trying to put myself in the middle of problems that are hard enough that I have to grow in a substantial way in order to solve them. So I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do with ConvertKit and parenting and everything else where it's like, look, these are hard problems. I have to become far less selfish. I've become far smarter, more capable, much better endurance, everything else in order to solve those. And so I'll look back and go, oh, you know, I even look back now and I'm like, to who I was in 2013 when I started ConvertKit. And it's like, oh, oh, that's great. You know, that I don't know. <laughs> it's like almost a little bit condescending or patronizing. We are like, oh, that's so cute that you thought you could do that. You know, and then today it's like, okay, I've made some progress, but there's still so much further to go. Um, anyway, so I think about choosing things that are difficult to force me to change and grow. Yeah. I'm going to round out the conversation maybe with like some questions to walk away with. I like that. The first one is what are you optimizing for? If you had to just write down a word or a phrase for what, or maybe it's like what you want to be optimizing for. And then separately, what are your actions say that you're optimizing for? It might be an interesting way to look at the problem. The second thing is if you had to draw kind of your quadrant thing like we went over. And if you were listening on the podcast, maybe worth taking a look at a minimum at the show notes, maybe we'll grab a screenshot or at the YouTube video. But if you had to draw kind of your intersection, what are the, what's the primary thing you're optimizing for? And what's the secondary counterbalancing thing? You know, for me, it was joy and impact. And how do those interact together? Do your actions align with those things? And then my last question for you would be, what is it going to cost you to optimize for what you're optimizing for? What is the payment that's going to be due? What are you going to sacrifice along the way? And is that something you're willing to sacrifice? Do you want to sacrifice that in order to get what you're optimizing for? And the last thing I want, like maybe this is like giving permission to everyone listening, is we go through phases 
of life. We definitely go through phases. You know, maybe the like traditional popular approaches in your 20s, you optimize for like trajectory, career. And then in midlife, you optimize for family. And then later in life, you optimize for for comfort or impact or some combination of, of the two. You know, you see like traditionally a lot of people will retire and then they'll sit on nonprofit boards or they'll go do volunteer work or something like that. Those don't have to be your phases, number one. But let's just say you were on that kind of path. Like you're going to be optimizing for different things at each phase of your life. And that's okay. If you're entering into a new phase, it's okay to start optimizing for something different. And I'd even say that it's better to actively say that to yourself, acknowledge that to yourself, than living in an old story of like, I am measured by how much money I make, or I am measured by how much impact I make on people outside of my family or whatever. And entering into a new phase saying, I am becoming a parent and I want this to be my number one focus. I am going to step back from my job as a dad and I'm going to be a full-time dad or whatever your new phase is. Acknowledging that and owning it and knowing that now you're optimizing for something different. And that doesn't mean you're no longer the person who used to optimize for the other thing. It just means, okay, that chapter is behind me. Maybe I'll return to it at some point. For now, I'm doing something new. And I think that can be really healthy. Yeah, that's good. Creator of the day. My creator of the day. So I've mentioned the podcast before. Alyssa and Melissa on our team do a podcast called Deliverability Defined. Uh, and you should definitely subscribe to that. They've got, you know, I think four episodes out now and that's really solid. But I'm going to highlight their Instagram right now because one, they could use some more Instagram followers because it's just launched. But two, the content is so good. So as you dive in, they've got these guides that they're posting on inbox placement and what words to, you know, all these topics. But let me just take a, a specific one right now. Oh, here, this one on spam traps, right? Spam traps are a topic that, you know, it seems like nobody understands and it's super complex. And basically what they've done is just broken it down into these really simple Instagram posts, teaching you bite-sized things on what's going on, what to understand, how to clean your list, all of this stuff. And I would just recommend giving them a follow on Instagram and you'll basically get these bite-sized lessons into deliverability, which is one of the most opaque topics on the entire internet. Like it's so hard to learn about and Alyssa is making it really, really easy. So that's uh, Instagram.com slash deliverability defined. Love it. My creator of the day is, I'm going to try and get the pronunciation right. I believe it's Naina is an Indian artist and she is a ConvertKit user that combines photography, coaching, and art. She primarily works in the medium of wearable art, which I think is really fascinating. She makes things like blazers and buttons, and that's very aligned with her, some of her photography art, which is focused on luxury and fashion and lifestyle. Anyways, she popped up as I was doing research for another project on some of our ConvertKit users. And I was just like enamored with the entire branding of her website, the through line of all of her different art and coaching. So anyways, check her out. N-A-I-N-A.co, Naina.co. Um, really great art. And she's got a, a podcast, a blog, all kinds of good stuff. Um, I would imagine it would be a good follow regardless, but especially if you are an artist as well. Sounds good. My resource of the day, I'm going to go with the article from Ryan Holiday that we talked about earlier. Uh, it's titled, The Definition of Success is Autonomy. Basically dives into... You know, what does it look like when you have it all, but that restricts all of your options when you're still looking to other people for 
what you can say or do. And, and of course, since it's Ryan, he always brings in stoic philosophy and everything else. So it's worth a read. And, you know, as you think about those counterbalancing forces, you know, keep that in mind that it might mean something totally different for you. I'm going to do a little self promo, which we've talked about on this show as being a good thing. That's right. (laughs) Anyways, barrettbrooks.com slash joy. I wrote this a while back after actually right after you can see it was August 27, 2019, right after the dad weekend. And it's just a post about this question that James Clear asked us over dinner. And it puts on paper some of the thoughts that I've shared today and some of the questions that I asked at the end of the show. I don't know, maybe it'll be something that you bookmark and come back to on occasion, maybe part of your annual review process or something like that to be regularly asking yourself, you know, not all the time. I don't think it's good to ask existential questions all the time, but at least occasionally, what is it that I'm optimizing for right now? And am I in the same, am I in the same phase of life as when I decided to optimize for that? Or am I entering a new one? I think we'll use that kind of as our uh, thought of the day. It's a really good journaling prompt. Just sit down and ask, what am I optimizing for? There's no wrong answers. You'll actually get far more out of it if you choose to be honest rather than answer the question, what should I be optimizing for? Or what will people think better of me if I'm optimizing for those things? Don't ask that. Ask what, what am I optimizing for right now? And then the question of what would I like to be optimizing for? The clarity is really, really important. So that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.